You are listening to the Technical SEO Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Tech SEO Podcast. I'm Kira Davidson, your host, and I'm joined today with Sophie from Rise at Seven. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I don't suppose you'd be able to give a bit of background information on yourself and your experiences in SEO to this point? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Sophie Gibson. I currently work at Rise at Seven as an SEO strategist. Um, and previously to this, I've only really worked um, agency side. So I tend to work a lot on e-commerce websites. Um, that's kind of my jam. I love shopping um, and I love talking about shopping. I love analysing websites that talk about shopping. <laughs> What's your so, favourite thing to shop for? Um, I, do you know what? Anything. I suppose clothes is my favourite thing. So I, I like looking at ASOS and Next and that those kind of like retailer websites. Yeah. Find really interesting. Um, never mind. It's kind of because you're already interested in kind of the stuff and and you know the technical side of how stuff should um should be implemented and whether they're getting um you know the best out of it for their book you know with how the website's set up um and what pages are indexable etc so yeah I find it really interesting that I can't I now can't go shopping without like analyzing that stuff (laughs) (laughs) you're the exact same as me (laughs) Um, I was recently having to look into like infinite scrolls and find examples so at the weekend when I was just looking at like on different sites for like clothes or something I would then get a bit sidetracked and start looking at how they've implemented their infinite scroll which is it's such a sad thing but I just enjoy it. Yeah I know and you know you know it's stuff straight away like (laughs) I find whenever I see um a url that looks like really horrible and long i'm like oh they should have really looked at that <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh geez. looking um so animal crossing um uh teaming up with builder bear oh yes that's cool so they're going to be releasing some animal crossing toys and they had a sign up page um to register your interest and it was such a long and complex url which had like platform details in it it was like a non it wasn't set up properly for um good seo from that kind of perspective and i was just like oh you know sharing that on social is going to be very difficult and you know how are people going to find this yeah geez i can imagine that i had some impact like people not being able to easily find it it's not like a, a url where you can easily just type it in if it's, especially if it's like gobbledygook and just random letters yeah yeah exactly um and it's not like the be all and end all of a website but yeah it's not like that you can help but notice yes exactly um so that brings us on to so you love shopping you love like retail e-commerce websites um how would you go around let's say doing a competitor analysis for those kind of sites is there certain areas that you'd focus on or would you like especially with like asos for example it's such a large e-com site would you like chunk it almost yeah i think usually i start off literally just clicking around like a user i find Mm -hmm. um whilst yes looking at kind of tools 
um, and other information on site um, like that is kind of good to do. I find just having a look around yourself and finding how the site is linked to it, like each section is linked yeah. to each other, uh, if there's any common themes that jump out, because with e-commerce there's general things that tend to be an issue. So looking at stuff like um, navigation, how stuff's linked, whether collection, um, so whether new collection pages, um, if they if they actually are set up correctly or they've got multiple versions of collections because they've got, you know, the featured products and then they've got um, yeah. new in, that kind of thing and like how that's set up. Um, and then you've got your um, faceted navigation. So generally on bigger sites, that's always, um, there's usually some kind of problem with whether those kinds of pages are getting indexed or not. Yeah. Um, so I think being aware of what the kind of top um, issues tend to be, I find that's usually um, a good place to start checking those, you know, key areas. I guess that saves so much time as well, because you sort of highlight what, how the user sees it, and then also the, the like you get to the point and you get straight to it, uncovering those potential issues early on, instead of potentially going away, getting all this data and then being like, oh God, I need to do this. This this is what's actually caused the problem. Yeah, and I think it's kind of unpicking it from that point of view. So starting small with just choosing those top level stuff, which could be a problem, and then digging deeper to find out how much of that is a problem. I really like that kind of way of working instead of going straight into looking at loads of data um, yeah. because it can. Um, can feel a bit overwhelming, especially when you're looking at um, bigger e-commerce sites. I mean, for smaller, um, you know, retail websites that have a limited product range, um, not a lot of, um, you know, any issues tend to be a lot smaller. Well, big sizes can be very messy. Yeah, it can get very messy very quickly. Um, so being able to pull out key things and then finding out from that how big of a problem each area is like what the top you know common common issues are and how much of of the site has that issue um i think that's a really good way of sectioning it out because yeah it can it can be really um daunting i think approaching yeah. bigger retail websites um because i mean i've come from working for a very small retail business um and doing you know site audits on on kind of very small websites up to um, bigger ones and it's kind of the, the process is the same but it does feel a lot scarier especially if you're um, kind of dealing with clients um, yourself because you know there's so much more kind of at stake there's more people involved as yeah. companies get uh, you know you're not just got a point of contact who like owns the business you you're actually speaking to people who then have to report stuff to higher management and um, then you've got to try and make sure that all of your recommendations um, actually get implemented if you've, you know, if you've found some key areas and you can say how much of a problem each area is, um, then yeah, you've got to be able to then communicate it, um, but in different ways to different people, depending on. Yes, who that's something I've been learning recently. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really like, 
again, it, it can be daunting, especially when you're kind of new to um, to working on larger sites. Um, yeah, it's definitely one to one to think about, and there's always more to learn. Exactly. No, definitely. It's like, especially when you get onto a large site, you initially you're only just scratching the surface, and you might find there's like initial problem. And then when you start truly looking into it, you like reveal like this massive iceberg sometimes. And then when trying to convey the importance to like your point of contact can be difficult, uh, especially for them to relay it to the, the right people. It's really important and tricky, I personally find, to speak to them in the language that they ultimately understand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I know there's a lot of talk of to be able to appeal to kind of those higher stakeholders and, you know, people up in the business is trying to tie um, technical fixes to to some kind of revenue. Um, and it, it's a very it's a very hard thing to do because it doesn't help that most of the stuff that we're able to measure, you know, we can't even say that Google Analytics is 100% accurate. You know, okay. we, with GDPR, we can't track absolutely everyone. Um, you know, there's some information there. You're tying stuff from like case studies, from other people's information, because you can't necessarily say that implementing, you know, action X will equal, um, you know, revenue increase Y, like that's exactly. just impossible to do. We can only, we can only really um, estimate, but I think as long as you're able to kind of keep pulling out figures, being able to at least give an indication of a general ballpark of, you know, where, where the money is, um, I think it's, it's much easier to then explain to um, stakeholders, you know, we want to prioritize this, you know, faceted navigation um, fits because it will cost, it's costing you at the moment, like a certain amount in lost sales, or it could be worth an extra, you know, exactly. X amount. Yeah, I think definitely having uh, data um, or estimated data can help uh, persuade uh, implementations and uh, ultimately like uh, people buy in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that's the, the more complex side of working um, on kind of like e-commerce sites. And when you're when you're looking at as well competitor sites and um, being able to estimate either what they're doing i think that can be obviously a bit harder because you've not got the internal um you know the internal data there yeah so you kind of you you've got to estimate based on like publicly accessible data so um when i did my um brighton seo talk and it was about all the different free tools that you can use to yeah. um to get data and insights on on like competitor sites and um, there's kind of a few different places that you can look there's a lot of case studies that can give you figures and um there's a i think it's similar web that has general kind of like traffic estimates for um other websites in your industry um so it can give you stuff on e-commerce and other kind of business areas so that's kind of always a good place to, to look if you're wanting to get some general ideas of what 
um, what competitors are kind of up to, what their you know organic traffic looks like, um, whether they're reliant on PPC or how much of a you know a percentage of their traffic goes to that. But of course, you know, I'm sure there's people that work at those things that that would tell you the similar information is completely wrong. But yes. Again, being able to at least have some kind of indication of figures and you're even just showing the process of that being worked out I think is is really beneficial to to clients yeah yeah I'd agree on that I think no matter what we say ultimately it's got to be taken with a pinch of salt uh, because we can't guarantee anything we don't truly know ultimately what their competitors ultimately doing and I think it's a really good guide to at least provide the the client yeah yeah for sure so um i'm thinking about like other tools as well so i think when we're looking at a lot of data um on competitors like most tools generally have information on whether like it's keyword intersects to see what um what yeah. share of different keywords that your competitors have with you um you know that information's kind of really good from a top level because you can um a piece of work I've kind of done recently is looking at whether this different areas of products that um, kind of the site that I'm working on has and whether they're actually missing missing out on traffic or whether it's stuff that they don't sell. So being able to find, you know, what products are other sites, you know, getting lots of traction for that we are not. So I think that's always always a good way to to kind of just confirm that the you know the right products are um kind of being focused on i think that's a really good idea actually i've never i've never thought about it from that side of things because it could help um like ultimately diverse or help guide um like the clients with potentially diversifying their product range or considering investing more in a certain area or yeah, I think that's a really good idea, actually. Yeah, it was it was really interesting because it was um, it was kind of it was useful for them as a business as well as the um, kind of not just the SEO strategy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think uncovering that kind of information is always um, kind of really good in the context of looking at competitors and how you can kind of use that information to kind of help your own like decision making. Yeah, and probably help confirm them as a business, the direction that they want to move in. Yeah, and I think it's it's really good way to see what websites um, kind of area of uniqueness as well, because you can say we dominate a certain area because we're the only people that have that stuff. Um, so again, you could be like, maybe we need to use the, that idea as you know, push that as our, you know, USP, our unique, yeah. um, you know, thing. This, like, this is what we do better than anyone else. Um, so, that, yeah, there's, I think there's all sorts of information you can kind of get from that kind of just looking at what keywords people are ranking for on different sites. 
definitely like my head's my mind's going crazy I'm thinking geez you could get like a whole branding strategy like concept from this uh you could get new product lines <laughs> and then also like opportunities for like on-page SEO growth and stuff like that so many different routes that could be taken from just looking at the products yeah um so I think I really like data for that that kind of analysis um because I think sometimes as well when looking at um when looking at kind of third party tools with um, kind of keyword information on, sometimes we can get maybe a little bit stuck in the keywords as well. Um, so I think it's really worth um, remembering to visit the SERP sometimes, you know, type in a keyword yourself. Yeah. I know sometimes our location might have an impact on what, um, what comes up. I think it's really good to, to see from your own eyes what kind of content is being served up. Um, when you kind of type type a phrase in and seeing, you know, how your competitors position themselves in the SERPs and just what's on there. Yeah. Okay. Like the intent for like a keyword can be so mixed. It could have like uh, product pages, category pages, but then it could have like list posts, comparison pieces. Like it could be such a like a mixed bag. So I think definitely checking, like just putting the keyword into Google can give so much information as well to make sure you're, you're going after the right thing because it's great looking at volume and everything, but it's not the be all and end all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I always find as well, sometimes there is um, other meanings to words that you wouldn't necessarily think of if you're either not in the industry or you are in the industry and you wouldn't think of how other people use a term. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, but it's um, it's really hard to think think. I think, think I, of one specifically. I have one off the top of my head. I've got um, a butcher's client. All my, well, they're like a, a basically an online butcher's, um, and we found that they have a load of jargon heavy terms that they use for the cuts of meat. Um, like for example, like a tomahawk steak is quite commonly known. Um, so that's what the user searches. But for a more, let's say, rare cut, like trying to think of one, I could try to think of one, but let's say, for example, minute steak, that might not be something that you or I would typically use, um, but it's what they know. But it doesn't mean that it's going to bring the right people to the site. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think you, really focusing on, on what language people use and um, yeah, just making sure that it, your expectations do actually re are reflected in, um, in the search results, because sometimes you can, um, you can think you'll, you'd know exactly whether a term would be, you know, have a lot of products on it or that's, that's the term that people use, but sometimes you can, you can get shocked about um, what, what alternate meanings or what oh, other stuff? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can get some interesting insights. I think that's why I really like keyword research uh, because you you get the chance to learn about the topic for almost like a day, um, and you learn some bizarre things and random facts, and then almost like a week later, you've forgotten it. Yeah, <laughs> I find that when you're writing content as well for kind of niche sites that you you do start learning. Ran, very random stuff which um you don't think I don't even think would help me in a pub quiz I think you know it's 
random stuff like for example I could tell you all about um the different types of decorative aggregates that you could get for a garden which is like pebbles and stuff and yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, well, at, least you, at least you know though if you ever have to decorate your garden or like redesign it you know what to you know you have different ideas and you know what to look for yeah exactly so um yeah, I think de definitely check check your assumption on that kind of thing um, because as well, some sometimes a competitor can be using different different terms um, and getting more of a benefit from it than than you might be because I think sometimes um, maybe clients can't see past their like own knowledge kind of a little bit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they wouldn't expect like this is what we call the item. So you know. Why would we not use this word? Exactly. So, yeah, if you're talking about, you know, PVC something or other, just like, trying to think of clothing, like people say pleather, like you yeah. would say PVC leather, maybe. Um, so, yeah, just making sure that the actual words do match up with what you want to see. So I think, yeah, looking at the different keywords you and your um competitors are ranking for can kind of show up show that up sometimes mm. and it's quite important to be doing that especially like it can probably highlight uh well obviously it will highlight keywords that you're not targeting but by giving them a quick search it, you can quickly determine whether it's something you should go after or shouldn't yeah yeah definitely so i think being able to weigh up that as well is quite an important skill when it comes to kind of like doing competitor audits. Um, because yeah, you do have to, to weigh up whether um, going for an additional term, you know, that, that your competitors do use perhaps, um, whether it's worth that or not, or whether you look at a different product, you know, is there actually space for you to um, make an impact or is someone, is someone else, you know, very far in, and it would take a lot of effort to, um, you know, go for that kind of keyword. So, being able to kind of dissect that a bit more and um, pull in some numbers and at least showing how you stack up against the competition, because it's all well and good looking at them separately um, as like an entity in itself, but really it's about um, whether there's room for you to take on. That area so i think when you when you're looking at different aspects being able to perhaps um rate each section to say you know product you know product xyz how does that stack up in competitors because we we also may sometimes forget that it's different in for each different product area yeah so just like you know if you're selling um, I don't know, gym equipment that you might have completely different competitors compared to your um, trainers, for example. So um, I think being able to actually accurately convey to someone who their competitors are online versus who they think their competitors are is also kind of like really good conversation to have with a client at the beginning. Yes. Um, because it's not always what the client thinks their competitors are because generally they'll be like oh our top competitors are x y and z but when you bring in um a search engine to it 
and look at the different areas of the site as well you know you could have hundreds of different competitors depending on what you're looking at and um exactly yeah like you could have a competitive like if especially for a large site it could be broken down by category almost but each one has different competitors because like the category itself could be like a mini microsite anyway yeah yeah definitely so I, I think it's always um worth noting that sometimes yes you might just have you know three competitors that you always look at um but be mindful that yeah if you have got a lot of different categories that those the different competitors might differ between those areas um because yeah it was really funny i had a conversation with a client and they were saying well you know this one site we don't think they're much of a competitor um to us like we do similar things but we're not but actually when we looked at all of the um kind of keyword intersects and they're actually a lot of a lot bigger of a competitor online than they are um, kind of like as a as an entity in general. Yeah. So being able to uncover kind of the the kind of I don't want to say hidden competitors, but you know the ones that they they should really need to kind of like keep an eye on um, online when it's when it comes to kind of like their online visibility. Um, it's really useful information to to tell them and be able to change their minds on you know who they view as competitors. And like, yeah, that is such a good point because someone like might have a, like an independent might have a shop presence, but the majority of their um, like, uh, like purchases or like orders all come from online. Uh, and it might be that they need that shop presence to be able to get certain contracts, but they don't really care about making the money there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then you kind of, you pull into that, um, I suppose when you're dealing with um, e-commerce clients that do have a retail presence, um, then you're getting into the um, how how does in-store and the online channels kind of intersect and, and mix. And I think that's really interesting because um, being able to you know, increase, I suppose now a lot of people are using Click and Collect more. Yeah perhaps then they've previously would have done before. So being able to um, make sure you can make those like different channels still be a seamless experience. But then I feel like you're kind of getting into um, user experience and, um, you know, the customer experience as a whole. Mm. But I, find, I think that's what's so interesting about kind of um, e-commerce work in, in general is that kind of wider conversation it can it can spark about um, how we do things and whether whether or not a site is able to do that yeah geez like we started off talking about um product pages and analyzing them and then like there's so many things takeaways that can be made from that for a business which then starts like the conversation of just wider business conversations and then it just keeps going uh which is i think that's where it gets really fun um like there's endless things to learn um and like so many rabbit holes to go down yeah, I, I think um, when it comes to technical SEO, at least, I think um, finding rabbit holes is the, the funnest part and <laughs> being able to like completely immerse yourself into all the different, 
different parts it, it does take you a bit on a bit of a wild ride I think yeah you come across some random stuff yeah definitely <laughs> It's been um, great uh, for you joining me today. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, thank you very much for being a guest on the Tech SEO podcast. Uh, no, it's been great. Um, thanks for having me. It's been great to basically talk shop for a bit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thank you very much.